This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 43. Don't you love hearing the details of how successful people achieve their goals? Today we chat with Christina Mascari with Pretty Distressed. You'll hear all the inside scoop as she started from scratch and now runs a successful business utilizing the social media platforms of YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Amanda with Lemon Pepper Farmhouse shares an important refinishing tip that falls at the very end of your refinishing process. We'll find out what Diana with Field Code Design, Kelsey with Mini Furniture Flip, and Monica with Gerosol Vintage are working on in their studios this week. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Highlighting hard work and the success of furniture refinishers is one of our priorities here on the Zebra Podcast. And every time we do that, it's an open door opportunity to learn from those who have gone before us so that our pathway is a little more clear. Christina Mascari with Pretty Distressed is one such person. I am sure most of you know who she is. She is that friendly face that you see on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. And when you look at her success, you want to say, well done. And how did you get there? To put things in context, Christina has over 300,000 YouTube subscribers, 500,000 followers on TikTok, and over 300,000 followers on Instagram. She has won awards with her refinishing skills and has a furniture refinishing course called Fix Up and Flip Furniture. Today, we talk to Christina and hear in detail how she achieved her success. Hi, Christina. How are you today? I'm good, Lane. It's so good to be back. It has been way, way too long since I've talked to you. On here. I know, I know. We got we got to put a stop to that. You got to you got to pop back on here more often because you are a wealth of information, and a lot of people like you, Christina. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. So we're sandwiched between Thanksgiving and Christmas, probably the two biggest holidays of the year. You make it a point to take time off during the holidays, don't you? I do. I actually haven't made a video in two weeks um, because my kids were home all last week. And so I just decided to put the phone down and put the projects down and spend the time with them. And I'm kind of wrapping things up here. I have two more videos that will go live and then I'm taking off like three weeks and I'm going to go dark. I did this in July and it was the best thing for me, for my family. It just refreshes my creativity Um, And you know what? You think people are going to miss you and they do, but they're always ready to come back when you're done taking your time off. I think it's so important to be able to have that space to take some time off. So do you literally when you say you go dark, do you literally put everything away? Um, Well, in July, I still stayed on Instagram. Um, But I didn't touch furniture at all. I did not go out to my studio. I did not record anything. But in December, I am really, really going to go dark because I love Christmas time. And my kids are going to be off for like two and a half weeks. We have some family coming in. So I am I'm actually not going to be on Instagram at all, which is which is a big (laughs) deal. But I know it'll be fine. And you know what? I have found that in December, people really aren't into DIYs. It's just not on their brain. Like they want to be watching Christmas movies and maybe doing some Christmas DIYs, but I'm not so great at those. So I kind of find that people don't necessarily want to follow furniture in December, but then come January, February, they're so ready for it. Um, so it just gives us all a little break to, you know, cut and then come back fresh at the beginning of the year. You know, that that is so excellent. It is true when you step away from something, especially if you're a creative person, it's almost like you step away from it and it's almost like an unleashed of your brain creativity. And you don't even, pur- I don't know, I find this true. You don't even purposely try to think of things to do 
you know, with work, but it just like starts popping up because you're not, you don't have any constraints. And so all these creative ideas start coming. I, I just think it's incredibly helpful. Yeah. And to not have the pressure of like, oh, I got to put something out. It does. It unleashes something in your brain that lets you relax. And it does let some like really fresh and creative ideas come. Curious, Christina, is Christmas bigger for you guys than Thanksgiving? Um, They're both equally big. We enjoy it. We really like Thanksgiving because we like eating a lot. Um, But Christmas, I mean, we kind of, you know, we decked out the house. We have three Lego advent calendars going. We have two other countdowns around the house. So we're Christmas is pretty big here because I have three littles. So they love it. Yeah. I don't know. It's like Thanksgiving is sort of a launch into Christmas holidays and they kind of blend, don't they, these days? <laughs> yeah. It just feels like it. I, it was crazy that they had to go back to school. I was like, I wish you guys could just be off until the end of the year and we could just like play and have fun. But we have a little bit more work to do before we can fully enjoy the Christmas holiday. I know. That's like us. Uh, our oldest is in his first year of college and he was home for Thanksgiving and then Sunday, he had to head back to school and um, two and a half more weeks. So he'll be home in the middle of December. So it, uh, it's a little bit uh, disjointed right now, it seems, with him gone. Yeah, it's just like a little tease, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you live in the Nashville area. You know me. I got to ask about the weather. So do you guys ever get snow? Is that like uncommon to get snow this time of year? We do not get snow. If we get snow, it's very rare. And it's usually more in like January, February or March. And I knew you were going to ask about the weather. So I specifically <laughs> checked today. And the next two days, we're going to hit 70, which is rare for this time of year. But it's usually like 40s in the morning. And it'll get anywhere from like the 50s or 60s. But tomorrow and today, we're going to have really, really good weather. I know. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's been like really chilly the last few days, at least here in North Carolina. And then to see 70, I think 71 degrees, that just doesn't seem like uh, Christmas time. But, you know, that's typical in the South, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, I lived in Minnesota, Illinois, and Indiana. So I have had enough snow to last me a lifetime. So I don't (laughs) miss the snow at Christmas time. I'll just watch it on the Hallmark movies. Yeah, there you go. I know. I'm from Michigan. And so uh, I remember going to school with snowmobile suits on and all of that kind of stuff. And that nothing stopped you from allowing you to go to school. And uh, so I got quite a bit, although it's fun to see the kids, you know, enjoy the snow. Uh, It's new for them. So from what I understand, weather wise, it looks like it's going to be a dry winter. So that may mean we may have to go through another season without any snow. We've had our friend Christine on before. She was featured in Season 2, Episode 11, and we discussed the business of YouTube with Katja of Katja Furniture as well. Uh, listeners, feel free to jump back and listen to that episode. To just give our listeners a quick recap, Christina started refinishing back in 2013. That makes you an expert and a pro for sure. Yeah, I love that. Um, I like that you call me a pro because I call myself a dinosaur. That's my big joke in this industry (laughs) with my friends in this industry. I call myself a dinosaur. That's my nickname that I've given myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that just means you have a lot of experience. Uh, Now, like many others, you began by just painting things in your home and then for clients. Yeah, it was it was a case where I think it's a lot of everybody's story where we moved into a house and once we bought the house and fixed up, you know, everything we needed to fix up, we just had no money for furniture. So I started buying stuff from Goodwill and painting things that we had in our house for ourselves. And then at that point, I was hooked and people liked what I was doing. So I started painting for friends and family. 
And I just started painting in my garage and selling it on Facebook Marketplace. And that's how it all started. So remind us how you got into YouTube. Um, YouTube was an accident. I was blogging from the very beginning about my journey, making over my house and painting furniture. Um, Because I have a communications background, it was just a fun outlet for me to share before and afters. And I think it's a lot easier to learn how to paint furniture via video. As you can tell, there's so many YouTube channels now with people flipping furniture. Um, And so I just filmed some videos to host on my blog. And my blog was run through Google. So I just set it up on YouTube so that it would all work really seamlessly. And so I never started out thinking I would have a YouTube channel, but that's how it all began. What a cool beginning. Uh, That's that's the kind of beginning everybody wants to hear about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was definitely not a business plan involved. It just kind of happened. Oh, that's nice. Well, so, you know, just as you mentioned your communications background, um, that is unusual, I think, but it's a great asset. What would you say to folks interested in following in your footsteps, but they just don't have that background? Well, I wouldn't be scared because I definitely do not have any background in video editing or (laughs) editing software or (laughs) filming um, or all that technical stuff like the microphones and the lighting. But Today, it's just so easy to go on YouTube and learn skills that you don't have. And, you know, the best way to learn, and I think furniture painters can attest to this, is just to trial and error. Try something out and see how it goes. And if that doesn't work, troubleshoot and try something different. Well, Christina, you're really good at taking one furniture refinishing project and showcasing it in multiple social media platforms. As I mentioned in the intro, you utilize a lot of social media platforms with large followings. Recap those social media channels you utilize and then just walk us through your week and how you implement everything. Oh my gosh. So it's a lot. So the big dog (laughs) is YouTube. Everything starts at YouTube because that's my long format. I do a whole project start to finish almost every week and those go up on Saturdays. Um, So I also have a following on Facebook. I have a following on Instagram and I have a following on TikTok now, which I didn't want to do, but I do TikTok. So um, I basically take one project, do that whole filming of the video, do the instruction. That's my really long format on uh, YouTube. At the same time that I'm filming that project, I take my phone and film a lot of vertical video. And the following week after my video goes live, I make short little videos for TikTok and Reels. And then I actually have involved my husband a little bit now. I got him his own laptop and he likes to take my long, you know, 15, 20 minute videos on YouTube and he will condense them down to three minute videos that will go on Instagram as an IGTV. And it also goes on Facebook as a little three minute quick flip. So I take one project and put it in about five or six areas. Wow. And that's so cool that he's involved because it's probably things that you don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. And you know what? He looks at it at a different perspective. The the YouTube videos go really deep into detail on the products that I'm using, um, how to do it, mistakes I ran into. And the three minute video is more of an entertainment factor. He takes all my voiceovers out. He's really diligent of picking like a very good soundtrack to go behind the video. And it only mm-hmm. takes somebody three minutes to watch it. They're still seeing some of the process, but it's a lot more of that before and after. And it's kind of more of an entertainment factor than an education factor. So it's, again, taking a piece and appealing to different audiences. Any issues at all with, like, you know, YouTube is more of a horizontal um, uh, format. And 
But then when you go to TikTok and Instagram, it's that vertical format. Is that uh, is that an issue with him when he's trying to take that YouTube format, horizontal format, and trying to get it into a whole different new format? Yeah, everything that he does, Facebook really likes a square format. So you're adding a different thing on oh, there yeah. too. But so for Facebook, he'll zoom in and do a square format. But then for IGTV, um, the way that they have it now, you don't have to shoot that in vertical. So we just leave that stuff in horizontal and it still performs well. So that's a little easier on us. Um, and in for, and the ways that I film for Instagram and TikTok, I have two separate cameras going, which is a lot. Um, but you know, it's just setting up my phone in that ver- vertical format, doing my horizontal with my camera that I have for YouTube and just capturing both shots. It's not the easiest thing. It can be annoying at times, but it's a lot easier to go back in and edit if I have those two different formats. Um, so it's just something you have to deal with. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. Um, but I'm glad that I started doing it because I've seen a lot of growth on Instagram and TikTok because of that vertical video format that I have. So this, when I, when I'm listening to you talk about all of the things involved in a week and all that you do, obviously the key word that hits me is like overwhelmed, <laughs> you know, it's blinking yeah. off and on. <laughs> overwhelming, overwhelming, overwhelming. <laughs> so like, are you, and you do this one piece of furniture, uh, I mean, the reason why I'm saying this, and I know a lot of listeners are thinking this, is like, it's a lot of work just to do a piece of furniture. I will say something that has changed since the last time I was on your podcast is I have hired some help. So that I did get to a point where I can't do all these things, but I want to do them. So with the income that I have, it was time for me to start investing more in my business. So I have a dear friend that actually works with me. Um, She's just a contractor. So she's not technically an employee, Um, but she does about 10 hours worth of work for me a week and really helps with, you know, social media and my partnerships and a lot of the stuff that I just don't have time to do. Um, And like I said, my husband normally hasn't been involved and he does have a full-time job. So this is stuff that he does in his spare time, but he's really enjoyed building up Facebook and doing those videos on Facebook. And that is like his whole deal. I don't even like really do anything with Facebook. He wanted to do that. Um, So I do have a lot more help now. And yes, sometimes the furniture piece itself is overwhelming, but you know, all the people you have on here, they're doing way more than one piece a week. They're cranking out two to three pieces a week because that's, you know, their main source of income for me it's more about the content now. I still love furniture flipping. I love trying new techniques and things like that. But at the end of the day, I have recently just been donating and giving my pieces to people as gifts because I just, that's just another thing that I don't have time for is the selling of my pieces. And because of where, um, where I am right now, and I'm kind of like a public figure, I had just had some weird interactions selling things. So I'm kind of taking a little break from selling my pieces. So that would probably sound pretty weird to people too, that are used to listening to your podcast, because I understand that what I do now is a little different than the average day to day furniture flipper or furniture artist or furniture, whatever you want to call yourselves. I know there's a little, a little discrepancy in our industry about what we want to be called to. Yeah, but that's okay. And I think a lot of people really are, are motivated when they hear stories uh, like what you are sharing with us because it's it's, it's success, right? <clears throat> and it's really about where you want to go. You want to be a furniture flipper and you want to 
produce several pieces and do what you're doing. And uh, so it's really about utilizing your your gifts and making sure that you're enjoying what you do. And this, I think I know the answer to this, but do you enjoy, are you really enjoying what you're doing? I am. I, I really enjoy what I do now. You know, I've done both. Like there was a period of time where all I was doing was commission pieces. There was a period of time where all I was doing was flipping and selling and I wasn't recording that stuff. But I enjoy what I do now more. And I think I thrive more in this area. Um, I like the interaction that I get to have with my audience. And it just I just think I was built to do this. So it isn't for everybody. But um I've just been able to step kind of in just into a new area and really enjoy it. And, you know, been able to like bring a friend on, I hired a blog writer. So I'm being able to help other people in their careers too. So that's really fulfilling for me as well. Yeah. Well, and then when you get other people too, you've got to be able to make sure those folks know uh, what they're doing, what their, what their objectives are, and you have to sort of manage those. Uh, and so that takes a, another level, another skill set that not everybody has, right? Yeah. And I definitely am not the best at that, but you know, I'm learning and growing and it is fun to think back the last time we talked because my business has shifted even more. So if I think towards the future, like what is it going to look like in two years? What is it even going to look like next year? I just love that it's ever flowing. It's ever changing. And I love that, you know, we have this opportunity to create our own business and kind of create our own life and make money doing something that we love doing. And I think it's just a really inspiring message for anybody out there because there's nothing special about me. I didn't take a special course. I don't have like all this educational background. I just said, hey, like, let me try to do this and see if it works. And so it's really fun just seeing how it evolves and changes over time. Yeah. So I guess there's a lot of learning as you go. For sure. And it just changes all the time because, you know, I think the last time I talked I with you, I probably had 15,000 Instagram followers. Mm-hmm. And through being able to utilize their video that they have now, they've really pushed my content. I had a couple reels go viral and now I have over 300,000 followers on Instagram in like less than a year and a half. And when I talked with you, reels didn't even exist. So it's just who knows what's going to come up. And the next couple of years, that's going to just change the whole scope of this again. Dang it, though. I'm tired of all these changes that they make. (laughs) This is exhausting. (laughs) It is exhausting. It really is. Um, But the cool thing is, like, I fought TikTok for a long time. I didn't want to be on there. I deleted it. I brought it back up. And, you know, it's just there's a whole different audience on TikTok that is not on Instagram, that's not on YouTube. It's like this whole separate thing. And there are people that, you know, want to learn about it. There's a lot of a younger audience out there. And as annoying as it is to learn new things, like, I'm very glad that I did it because it's exposed me to a whole new group of people. Um, and and TikTok is a place where you don't have to take yourself so seriously. So, mm-hmm. again, it's another creative outlet to not have to be so serious and have these picture-perfect pictures. Um, so, that's it's kind of nice, too. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. So you got TikTok and you've got reels on Instagram. Is there a good method there? I mean, are you guys creating TikTok uh, videos and then are you then trans uh, uploading them onto Instagram as a reel? Are you, you're not doing separate like reels and then creating TikToks separately, are you? 
Not mostly it's the same because I've found for me, it's two different audiences. So I will make my vertical video in a separate app called InShot and I'll do all my voiceovers in there and then I'll just download it to my phone. And then that way I can upload it straight to Instagram or I can upload it straight to TikTok without having, you know, the TikTok watermark on there or the Instagram watermark. And that's worked for me. And sometimes it does really great on Instagram and it bombs on TikTok. Sometimes it does really great on TikTok and it bombs on Instagram. So it has shown me that they're two totally different audiences. But on TikTok, you can play around a little bit and do follow the trends and stuff. And that's stuff that I wouldn't necessarily put on Instagram because it doesn't fit my brand on Instagram. So sometimes I'll upload a TikTok that's just like playful, some type of trendy song or a dance or something that's mm -hmm. going on. But mostly I do just use the same content on both platforms. And that works for me. I mean, I probably have a hole in my head because I'm always scratching my head, you know, because I'm like, okay, now what, what, what are they doing here? Now what algorithm changes have been made? So <laughs> I should check I, to make sure I have a what? better spot up there. <laughs> yeah, my, I probably am the worst person to listen to about business advice about algorithms because I just ignore that stuff. I really don't read up on it. I really don't follow the, the trends of what you're supposed to be doing. I just show up and I create authentic and good content that I think, you know, content that is up to my standards. And if it sticks, it sticks. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's kind of the attitude that I've gone into it with those videos. Um, and I've had some success there. So I think that's possible for anybody. And I think trying to follow all these, you know, Instagram gurus and the TikTok gurus that say you have to post three times a day and this and that. Um, sometimes that can just be overwhelming. So I think the best thing that you can do is just show up and be yourself and do good work. Gosh, that is like so refreshing. <laughs> I love that advice. <laughs> no, that well, is really cool advice, Christina, because I mean, I know there's, you know, some people really enjoy digging deep into all the algorithms and I'm that there's benefits in that. But I love the fact that you're really your answer there is basically I have a mission with my brand and I know where I'm going with my brand and that's my primary driver. I don't get caught up in all the details of algorithms. I mean, maybe you learn something here and there from other people and you're like, oh, okay, you talk that in the back of your head and you utilize that when you need to, but you don't allow it bog to bog you down because that's what happens a lot of time because you get so distracted with all of these changes and then you're like, okay, now what are we about? What are we doing here? Yeah. And I think you can get caught in the trap of like trying to put yourself in a mold that you necessarily don't fit in. And I think it's easy for people to look at me and be like, man, Christina's so successful. Look at these huge numbers that she has. But I still have days where, you know, I bleed followers on Instagram. Like the point, the part of having so many is sometimes I'll lose a couple thousand followers a day. And so there are times when I'm up and there's times when I'm down and there's some projects that people like and there's some that they don't, but you can't, you can't get bogged down in that. You can't harp on that. You just have to move on to the next one. And so that's why I don't like to get, you know, caught up into a mold because we're each individuals, we're each designed, you know, individually, we have our own individual skill sets. And so just trying to fit yourself into a mold, I think is one of the worst things that you can do for yourself. So, yeah, I agree with that. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Zebra, designers and innovators of the only application-specific brushes found anywhere on the planet. This week, we have launched our new line of top coat brushes. 
These brushes are engineered and crafted with filaments replicating and superseding the benefits of natural filaments. They are currently sold in a three-piece, very nicely designed box set. You'll receive a two-inch Palm Pro flat top coat, a two-and-a-half-inch flat stubby top coat, and a three-inch long handle top coat. Our crew put in a great deal of time and effort developing this new line, and we can't wait to hear your opinions on these most incredibly smooth filaments that will leave incredibly smooth finishes. Just what you're looking for to lay down your final touches with your liquid top coats. Go to enjoyzebra.com and click on the top coats tab. You can order your set today. Now back to our interview with Christina. Well, okay, so this is a really big question for me. So you're, you're doing YouTube, you're very successful, um, but you're, you're always so helpful. And so you must not view other, encouraging other people to get into the YouTube business. You know, I know you're doing a lot of different platforms, but you, it's almost, you, you don't really view it as competition, do you? I don't because I think that, you know, even like, even if me and Katie Scott do the exact same type of project, they're still a little bit different and you're still going to watch both of them. And I think people really watch people that they connect with. And it's not even necessarily always about the project. And I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I know that. <laughs> and there's so many, there are so many furniture artists, furniture flippers, furniture restoration people on YouTube now. And there's so many people that are hitting that 100,000 subscriber mark. It's amazing. I think it's so exciting to see because there was a point where people were saying, oh, this is a fad. This will never last. You guys are ruining all your furniture. And then in a few years, you're going to have to buy all new stuff because no one's going to want this anymore. But I think like we've really adapted to look at all the different styles we can do with painting and it's only growing and I don't think it's going anywhere. So it's really exciting to see so many people come up and to have success and to just see it keep growing and growing. It's good for the industry. And so whatever is good for the industry, I feel like is good for me. Yeah. And I, I really feel like that we've crossed a bridge, not sure when, but I think we've crossed a bridge in the furniture finishing industry that to establish the fact that it's here to stay. And I think people are starting to realize just the incredible skill of refinishing and the demand is starting to pick up, I believe. And then there's a lot of new people jumping in. It's like, you know what? I really like uh, transforming a piece. And so I think that uh, it's exciting to see this industry continue to grow. And uh, so I was, I had to ask that question about competition because, you know, a lot of times in business we get so competitive that we don't realize that we're shooting ourselves in the foot by being competitive in such a sense that we're not working with others and, you know, trying to um, open up the community and broaden it. Um, but um, you, you do a really good job at that. But, you know, you mentioned Katie Scott, whom we all love. She's such a, uh, a great refinisher and person. And uh, I know she's doing really well in the YouTube business as well. Uh, but <clears throat> speak to me a little bit about cross-promotion uh, with other YouTubers. Like I know that, uh, you know, I had you and Katja on last year and you guys became friends. So tell, tell me how that works. And is that something, if somebody's new to YouTube, that they should aggressively try to reach out to other YouTubers to, to do Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got to do my first in-person collab over the summer with Lauren and Neiman from Furniture Flipping Teacher. 
uh, which I don't think you haven't had them on yet. Have no. you? Have you had them on the podcast? No, I, you have too. to get them on here. Yes, they hopefully. are like the ne- <laughs> the next generation, and just like the whole the whole way that their channel started, and just the the just everything behind their brand is so different. Um, so I love them. I love trailblazers like that, and I love seeing young people coming into the industry. But it's just you know, it's conversations that I have with people because I, you know, I don't go to an office every day. I, I'm not like, I guess nobody's really been going to an office every day, but <laughs> I don't have coworkers, you know, it's just me yeah. and a couple few people in my brand here. And so I think you have to have that to succeed. You have to be walking with people that understand what you're going through. Um, you know, me and Katie were just chatting yesterday via text, just being like, man, I am burned out. It's been a long year. Like I'm ready to reset for, you know, just take some time off and reset. And it's like, she really understands that. And I really understand that from her. So I think having those people in your life are really important. And then to just be able to, like you said, cross promote on YouTube and like challenge each other to a flip off and be telling people about, oh, you have to check out this channel. This person is great. Um, that, that is really going to help you grow. And there are a lot of groups now that are doing these monthly challenges. Um, all these YouTube channels are doing monthly mm-hmm. challenges. Like I know in December, they're going to do one where they're flipping a piece of furniture and giving it to someone in need or selling it and yeah. giving the, the cash donation to someone in need. So there is tons of that. There's tons of community to be had. So I think that is a great way to grow. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. So what recommendations do you have for refinishers starting their own YouTube channel? Let's say that they're very successful at refinishing and they see what's going on uh, in the YouTube industry. And they're like, man, I just, I think I want to jump in, but they're yeah. not sure. Like what, what's some thoughts that you can give them? I mean, I always just say, just start and just throw a video up there and see if you enjoy the process. Um, see if you enjoy the process of refinishing and editing a video and filming it and sharing the experience. But I guess I think my number one advice now is to really think about um, why you're doing it. Are you doing it to get more customers? Are you doing it to grow your brand? Do you have aspirations to do what I do and really only do one piece every week or every two weeks to really slow down and hone in on your skills? Um, because it is a different animal. Like if you're used to just refinishing for money and then going into YouTube, it's going to be, it's different and you have to be really secure in who you are Um, to put your face out there and to put your skills out there because people will attack your skills. They'll attack your pieces. Um, So it's not for everybody. So I think just some good evaluation before you start on what, what do I want to do? What do I want out of it? And if you don't want people to know your face, if you don't want people critiquing your work, it's probably not the best space for you. Um, But for me, I've been able to slow down and really focus on one project a week and still make an income off of creating content. So you're kind of trading one for the other. You can't be a YouTuber and still crank out, you know, 20 pieces a month. If that's what you're doing right now, you're not going to be able to do both. There's not enough time in the month to do that. So really think about which direction you want to go and have a good focus going into it. Yeah. And you, you really, you just have to be patient, don't you? Because jumping into YouTube does not happen overnight at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. And there are some people that are, you know, are more fortunate or I guess like more blessed or have been luckier in that. Um, and, you know, a lot of people who have been successful over the past couple of years do have help shooting and editing. 
Um, but you know, you might have a friend who really wants to get into YouTube too. So maybe you could find a partner that wants to shoot you and edit and stuff. So, but it is, I mean, it's a great opportunity, but it isn't for everyone, which I have learned, you know, over the past few years here doing this full time. Cause I just used to be like, everybody needs a YouTube channel, but <laughs> I mean, you really have to think about, um, yeah, just the time and the effort that you have to put in up front and that you're not necessarily going to get those dividends back right away. But if you look at someone like me, I mean, I just, I have been able to grow this and now I'm able to hire other people out. So it's been a huge blessing to me. I could never have been the successful just flipping furniture. So it was a good decision for me. Um, but yeah, you just have to figure out what's going to work best for you. you know, I want to hop back to this idea of doing one project a week and then utilizing that one project and all of these different platforms. How much planning... Uh, I don't, that's really not the way I want to ask it. How far out do you plan? Are you a planner where you like know what you're going to do? I know, I know we're at Christmas time, so you're going to take three weeks off, but you look into January, when you get into January, 2022, are you going to know what pieces you're doing for the next like four or five weeks? Or do you just really just take it a week at a time? Um, I, we do, I do plan out a lot more in advance than I used to. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, I have a lot of partnerships in place now with different paint companies, um, paintbrush companies like Zebra, uh, right. one of my, one of my good sponsors. We have a great relationship. Oh, and I have to, I'm sorry. I have to stop and plug this right now. If you guys have not tried the new top coat brushes, holy smokes those blew me away i used it on a recent piece for that i did with lily moon paint and the way that put on the top coat i like is amazing so i have to put yeah. that plug in there oh, cool and lane didn't, didn't tell me to, to say, say that. that no you're not <laughs> exactly. they are really awesome the three inch <laughs> one for a top you can get it done in minutes and it's flawless. So just had to put that plug in there. Um, cool. But so we, yeah, I, and because of Instagram and TikTok, I have, you know, sponsorships and partnerships on there too. So we have a calendar that is ever living, <laughs> ever moving. And we kind of slot stuff out about three months in advance is what we're working. We kind of work a quarter at a time. And so I already have an idea kind of what January looks like. I'll probably firm that up here more in the next couple of weeks. But um, and I really work with my assistant on that. We just we do have to schedule things because I have a lot of things due. And um, I know that I'm going to put a video out every Saturday. So I like to make sure, oh, I have a piece for this. This is the type of paint I'm going to use on it. We need to get that from this sponsor. We need to make sure this stuff is shipped here. So there are a ton of moving parts. Yes. Um, two years ago, it was like, I would just wake up on Monday and say, what am I going to do this week? But as you grow and you have those commitments, um, you have to definitely schedule it in advance. Well, I brought that up for that reason alone, because I think that's another facet that folks need to think about, you know, that when you step into the YouTube business, uh, and some of these other platforms you, and, and you grow it as you hope to grow it. These are some areas that uh, if you don't have the skill sets, you'll need to, as you said, bring on some people who have those so that you're successful from start to finish. Um, so that's, that's really, uh, it's interesting to hear that. And I know that's insightful for, for many folks. Now, you know, I also want you to give some recommendations to those that have, you know, they've plowed into the IG, Facebook, YouTube, but maybe they're not seeing the success level the way they think they should. But just generally speaking, what's your gut response to that? Where 
they should keep going. They're seeing some growth, but it's not at the level that they want. Yeah. Again, for me, it's just being consistent and just showing up even when you feel like you don't want to, (laughs) when you're like, oh, well, this didn't do anything. So I'm not going to put something up, especially on Instagram and TikTok these days. It just takes one video. And I've seen it happen to people in this industry. Just ask um, Jess, her name's escaping me. I think it's Oaken Oaken Grain. Yes, Oaken Grain. There's so many, there's so many names, but Jess is one of those people that she had, you know, a couple of reels get a lot of traction. And I saw her grow like 5,000 followers in a week. So it, it can happen. It can happen. You just have to show up. Um, and I think just be authentic and do your best work. I know that sounds a little cheesy and I know people want a formula, but if you don't show up, it can't happen. Um, And I do want to encourage people in, I was able to have a call with an actual person at Instagram (laughs) about reels and about video content. Um, And she told me there is no magic formula. You don't have to post three times a day. Like all these gurus tell you, like I told her, I'm basically posting a reel a week and IGTV a week. And she's like, that's great. Just do that consistently and just show up. And, you know, Instagram will see that and reward that. So that was a huge weight off my shoulders. You don't have to produce like a reel or multiple reels a day to grow on Instagram. You just, just be consistent. Don't take three weeks off. Don't take four weeks off. Just show up every week if you can and do one thing. Uh, That's, that's, that's really encouraging too, because it is true. We, we listen to some folks that um, they think they have, they present themselves as that they have the formula for everything. And it's usually, (laughs) you got to post this many times a day and you got to post at this time and you got to do this and you got to do that. And again, there's some, you know, uh, you know, there's insights that you can look into that are helpful about that and learning about your audience. But I love the fact that just be consistent. If you do it one time a week, just be consistent with it. If you do it three times a week, be consistent with that. Because that, again, as you've said often, that takes the pressure off and it allows you to really just uh, flourish in what you are gifted at doing. Right. And I guess the only other thing that I want to mention, too, is that people think that they have to have a really big number by their name to be able to reach out to companies to work with. And I just don't think that's true. If there's a product that you use that you love a lot, just DM them, try to find an email and pitch them an idea of, hey, I'd love to, you know, create some photos for you for your website, or I'd love to feature your product on my Instagram or in my stories. Like the worst that someone can say is no. Um, And I just really want people to know that you're creating beautiful photos, you're creating beautiful videos, and that they have value, um, and that they have values to companies out there that you're using their products. So you don't have to have a super big number next to your name to, you know, start moving into the space of being an influencer. Yeah, that's good advice. And I think the important thing that that is to note there is that you're starting a relationship with these uh, these brands, and that's, that's so important. Absolutely. And you know what, there was a time where I would just, I, the first time I ever got a can of paint from a company, I just cried tears of joy. I was so excited that I got a free can of paint. So you always start somewhere and you celebrate those little milestones along the way. So Christina, we've talked about, you know, the social media platforms and, you know, all that you do in a week, which is a lot (laughs) and how you plan so far in in uh, and ahead of time. Um, Anything else that you're doing that that, uh, we didn't talk about that you'd like to share with uh, our listeners? 
Yeah. So this year I started offering some one-on-one coaching or mentoring and people can find more information about that on my website on prettydistressed.com. In my shop section, you can sign up for a one-on-one social media coaching with me. Um, and that just helps us dive in deeper to actually who you are. And we can talk about your goals and I can kind of give you some insight on what I've seen and what I think might help you. So if someone's interested in investing a little bit more in growing their brand, I have that available. And obviously, I love to talk about social media and video content and all of that. Wow, that is excellent. Well, that's certainly a great opportunity for those of you who um, want to jump in, or maybe you're in and you just kind of feel like you're not moving the way you want to move. Man, check out that mentoring opportunity with Christina. That's excellent. Well, Christina, I always enjoy talking to you. You're so easygoing and kind, and you always demonstrate a desire to help others succeed. Thank you for coming back on the podcast and sharing insight into how you run your very successful business, I might add. And I know many have gleaned a great deal from you. We'd love to have you back on soon, and we hope you enjoy the holidays. Awesome. I hope you enjoy the holidays, too. Today's refinishing tip comes from Amanda with Lemon Pepper Farmhouse. Hey everybody, this is Amanda over at Lemon Pepper Farmhouse and I was lucky enough to be able to share a refinishing tip with you guys today. My refinishing tip is short and sweet, um, but I feel like it's super important. And my tip is that I, before I send my piece of furniture home, I lay it flat on its back and I just check everything over, making sure I have all the nooks and crannies painted um, under the lips of um, or ledges of the piece and especially the base. Um, I like to clean everything up really nice and just make sure that the piece looks solid laying on its back too. Um, There's nothing more embarrassing when you're loading a piece in the car and you're like, oh, I completely missed that section um, or forgot to paint it or it's smudged or or something like that. So um, yeah, that is that is what I do. I like to feel like when I send it home, I have every inch of that piece of furniture covered and um, looking clean and put together. So I hope that helps, and I hope you guys all have a really, really great day. Excellent tip, Amanda. We could not agree more how important it is to inspect your pieces thoroughly before sending them off to their new owner. It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week. Hi, I'm Diana, and you can find my Instagram account at Design. Currently, I'm finishing up a beautiful white fine furniture dresser that I painted in Sherwin-Williams 2021 Color of the Year Urban Bronze, an earthy warm hue that cultivates a sophisticated sense of simplicity. I plan on staging the piece with art from North Prince, a favorite Etsy shop, and a few home decor and coffee table books. Meanwhile, after a deep clean, I'm going to be trying out my new surf prep sander on three 1950s Drexel Projection mid-century dressers this week, and will be deciding on whether to stain or paint the collection. To update the hardware, after a thorough clean, I'll be using my favorite rub and buff combo. I layer the poles by starting with Spanish copper, and then we'll add a gold on top, giving an authentic patinaed look. Be sure to follow along and check out both the final reveals on my Instagram account at Build Code Design. 
Hey, it's Kelsey from Mini Furniture Flip here. Today I am working on a few drawers. I'm trying to get a dresser finished up. I am attempting to put some burlap on the drawers using some Mod Podge to get it to stick. And at the very end, I am going to be putting some trim around it with some handles on top. And I hope that this comes out and I'm excited to see the results. Hi friends, my name is Monica and I am the founder and creator of Girasol Vintage. Today I'm in my studio in New York working on two very old night tables that I found on the side of the road. The tables used to be a vanity and I'm sure most furniture artists out there have had a chance to work on a set like this, but this is my first time so I'm really excited. My plan is to give these night tables a ton of texture and character so I will be creating a raised stencil um, with plaster. I'm going to seal my stencil with clear top coat and then I'm going to paint over the stencil using my round zebra brush with bare chug decorative paint in the color carousel. If you guys want to see the entire process, you can check me out on YouTube by typing Girasol Vintage or you can catch me on Instagram with the handle MyGirasolVintage. It's been a real pleasure sharing my project with you guys and thank you so much for having me on Zebra's Before and After podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you, friends. Listeners, make sure you go check out their social media feeds. The Zebra Review December contest is here, and the theme is glitter and gloss. Pretty fitting for this time of year, isn't it? The deal is that we want to see some pieces with pizzazz. Wow, did I just date myself? That is still a word, right? Well, if you don't know what pizzazz means... Basically, the judges are looking for pieces that stand out in the crowd, that have energy, that have some glamour. There are multiple ways to do that by color, gloss, fancy, and glittery things, etc. It's really up for your interpretation of the theme, and then just make sure you use the hashtag TheZebraReview when you post it. It needs to be a piece you have created from December 1st through December 31st, 2021, and has to be posted by December 31st to qualify. So much happens at the end of each year. It always seems like as we enter late October into November, time picks up speed, literally. Well, with that understanding, we wanted to remind you that the third annual International Golden Brush Awards is coming up. Remember, there are a total of 10 categories that you can enter at least one piece, and you can enter a piece that fits into a given category that you refinish from January 1st, 2021 through December 31st, 2021. We also have seven well-known and highly respected refinishers on our judging panel. Ashley Krug with Blue Wren Interiors of Australia, Chloe Kempster with Macy's House of the UK, Jen Talley with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture of the US, Katie Clow with Katie and Company of the US, Katie Scott with Salvage by K. Scott of Canada, Lawrence Fatina with Portland Rose Studio of the US, and Sarah Bolt with Sitting Pretty Home Decor of the US. If you would like to check out last year's winners in the categories, simply go to enjoyzebra.com, click on the blog in the upper right hand corner, then go to contest and you'll see the 2020 Golden Brush Awards tab. Start looking through all of your pieces and decide which ones you'll enter. Actually, it's only December 1st, so you have a full month to refinish a piece or two that you would like to enter into a category that you maybe don't already have a piece for. Stay tuned for more details to come. How many times have you picked up an old piece of furniture and wondered what the history was? If only these pieces could talk, right? 
Well, some of you have been more inquisitive and taken the time to do some homework to find out more about a piece that you have refinished and its history. These are incredible stories that need to be shared. We have created a new segment on our podcast called If This Piece Could Talk. You'll enjoy hearing from your fellow refinishers talk about the history of a piece, whether it's about the style and how it developed, or maybe it's a sweet story about a piece of furniture built and designed for a loved one. We'll also talk to experts who will give us some insight on how to go about learning the history of a piece. As a side note, if you know the story on your piece and you think it's a perfect fit for this segment, send me an email at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Stay tuned as we include these new segments in the upcoming podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blogs Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on our enjoyzebra.com site along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing. Thank you.